Hello and welcome to episode 32 of Songs from a Padded Envelope. My name is Steve and I'm here with co-host Ben. Hello, Ben. Hi there, Steve. Our guest for this episode is Tom Stubbs, one half of the wonderful My Two Toms. Tom joined us from his home in Bristol and has shared two tracks to play at the end of the show and more of that in the episode. Tom is a really engaging storyteller, Ben, and this episode is packed with re- uh, just really enjoyable tales from across Tom's musical adventures. Yeah, right from the very beginning, Steve, from sort of very, you know, evocation of uh, journey into music at home with his, you know, his dad and classical classical guitar or you know kind of first um touchings on music at, um at uni and this really really great evocation of um sort of thatcher's britain around a tiny university at newport and some of the the weirdness and strange situations that uh that, that took tom into yeah it it really places his um his kind of musical origins in a really nice way doesn't it and i think tom's story of how he met the other tom is one of my favorite band origin stories that we've had on the podcast especially when you consider the friendship and the sort of shared experiences that that stemmed from it yeah i think so i think um when i was uh, kind of reflecting on thoughts for conversation today with you and that was the thing that that hit home most to me um this kind of the chance meetings and connections that happen which was very much the case for for the two toms and how my two toms evolved from that um and how fortuitous that is and you and i have both been through that situation same situation ourselves, and we've kind of talked about that on the the christmas podcast about our journey into music and yeah it was it was um, great to hear tom's reflections on that and see what stemmed from that chant that particular chance meeting yeah i love how that all all unfolds it's really uh and it's heartwarming and encouraging and really positive and yeah, just just speaks to so much of the sort of commonality um, of experience that people have spoken about in the in the podcast from being in bands and and the friendships that stem from it. Uh, it was it was a nice surprise uh, as well the, having the crossover with previous guest Susie Gage and adding some more to the the picture of the scene in Bristol. Yeah, and what a what a thriving and strong scene that we'd already heard in terms of Susie's stories of that. And I think we had we had Tom's biog in advance of the conversation, and we had he'd had a look at some of the sort of collaborations and artists that they'd had a chance to meet with, and then Tom kind of brought those stories to life again. I mean, it made me want to wish I could take a time capsule and travel into Bristol at that particular moment in time, and the way that Tom talked about. Um, you know, people being willing to put uh, different acts onto bills, you know, like a folk a folk rubbing up against hip hop, rubbing up against rock, whatever it was, you know, kind of just like no particular to sort of um, barriers around uh, styles and music. Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really lovely. He, pa- he, he paints the picture so so vividly. Uh, well, and equally, Tom talks about the tours of the the US he's been involved with, and we've put a link in the into the um, show notes for the tour film that's mentioned. Um, these stories in the film are worth the price admission of alone. I think they are. Um, you and I both watched um, all three sections of the film documentary before we had the conversation with Tom, and. Um, it felt very much like this conversation with Tom was a companion piece that runs alongside that film um, of their the tour journey. You know, this this fantastic kind of travelogue 
across the strange and mysterious Midwest, you know, in tow with uh, with American musician Charlie Parr and the sort of um, the different places that 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 took them into. And if you have a chance to kind of go and check out the film and see the sort of venues that they were playing um, and some some of the uh, humorous or not so humorous encounters that 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 brought them into. But at the end of all of that, you know, there was Tom's reflection that this real this experience changed him, changed him, changed them and most definitively. And I think it's uh, yeah. Yeah, sort of own reflections around around how how your experiences of journeys and connections with people and particularly tour, you know, how the tour, sort of touring experience can affect that kind of change. But this is a very, very unique take on it, a very, very unique story. Absolutely. And and really enjoyable, a really enjoyable one. Um, and our, our sincere thanks to Tom for coming on to the show and and sharing it with us. Please do check out the links in the show notes to both Tom's music and the tour film. And if you're enjoying the show, you could head over to Apple HQ and leave us a nice review. And we had actually had one come in the other day that was it was a little confusing at, uh, at first because it, it simply said Ivan, Boris, Dmitri, Vasily and Vladislav, which was a little confusing. And I, I thought it might be a band, <laughs> uh, but then it then it dawned on me that someone had given us a, a, a five star review. Um, so they must have misheard when we were asking us to give us a five star review. So Very if nice. you could do a star review, that would be. That would be great. And on that note, let's go over to our conversation with Tom Stubbs on episode 32 of Songs from a Padded Envelope. My name is Tom Stubbs. I'm one half of My Two Toms, uh, which is a folk instrumental band. And I'm down in Bristol. My other bandmate is along the M4 in Wokingham. And I haven't seen him for a while now. And we haven't played together for a while. Uh, and we're sort of somewhat dormant, but we've we've got material and we've got intention. And um, so one of the tracks we're gonna we're gonna play two tracks. Apparently, that's I'm bucking the trend. Um, but we're gonna play um, a track that we've been working on that, that that we need to dig out and finish. Which at the moment we've called Nicked Cave because it sounds a bit like a, uh, a John Cave sort of something slightly melodic, a bit like him. And and then the other track is. Um, is uh, old Virginia, uh, which is not mine, but um, I'm a good friend of uh, a musician called Charlie Parr, who's based in the States. And uh, so we did, we've done several things with him. And one of the last times he came over and we recorded this just ad hocly in Tom's house when he lived in Bristol. And it hasn't been, both of them haven't been released. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for coming on the on the podcast, Tom. Uh, we'll pick up on uh, the two song choices a little bit more. Um, but uh, can we just start off with you telling us a little bit about what inspired you to first pick up an instrument? Oh, it's, you know, it's groinal, isn't it? It's, it's sort of thinking that guitars are, uh, are a way to be, you know, the, the idea of a guitar and playing it is it's very phallic in one if you really get into it. But I was fifty. I was sort of. My dad had played classical guitar, and it, there was this thing lying around the house. And I guess about fourteen, I started trying to pick it up. And then I think some girl who was two years older than me in my school sort of looked at me, and I was like, "Wow!" And this girl called Samphire, and she said, "You look like a guitarist," and that lodged in my brain, <laughs> as it would 
a 13 year old boy and uh so i started playing yeah started playing the the class the nylon string classical of my dad's and then when i was 15 he, he took me up to bristol because i grew up in somerset and he bought me a, a, a second-hand electric guitar from a from a electric ladyland in old old market which was you know and it's still there the shop there's still there's no room you can't even get in the shop now it's just filled with amps at the time when when i was 15 you could actually get in and there was space to walk around and it's still the same guy this sort of crusty old um can't remember. He's, he's sort of bit, look, looks like an old lemmy still running the place <laughs> anyway uh, so that's what got me started that's what got me started and then i got I kind of uh, spent a long time listening to uh, listening and jamming along to blues music, you know, sort of got, I think probably got into music through, through the obvious sort of Clapton, the, that type of era. And then, and then kind of, but gravitated towards listening to the old, more sort of real Muddy Waters-esque kind of Chicago sort of blues type stuff. Which, which at the time, you know, there was lots of other stuff going on in music, and I was just like, no, I don't like the sound of that. I've sort of started listening to, I've started listening to more, more electronica recently for some reason, but, uh, but, but at the time it was much more about sort of that. I could, under, I think my brain could understand the sort of logic of a twelve-bar pattern, you know, that it would kind of come round and it would, you know, and then I, you know, there was a long time of noodling around. <laughs> was there a lot of uh, traditional sort of blues music being played in your house then? Did you grow up around that type of music? There would have been a bit. My dad had a couple of sort of BB King records, and there were uh, that. Yeah, there was there was an old Cream rec- record uh, of that era. There was a lot of sort of Stevie Wonder that sort of uh, era. You know that sort of the the classic two or three albums of Stevie Wonder, and there was a lot of early Bob Dylan. You know the sort of Blood on the Tracks. That's not that early, but Blood on the Tracks is sort of that that era was was around and Bonnie Raitt, I think, and, I, and I'm aware of it because I'm in that position now, being a parent. Where I think when you have kids, you, you know, unless you really try or really are passionate, your record buying time or your kind of you, you, it sort of it freezes you for a for a chunk of time, for a, for a chunk of time, and then the kids sort of inherit those records later, which is what I did. So was he a, was he a professional guitarist then? No, no, he's a he, my dad. My dad was a potter, um, but he'd he'd sort of studied a, a bit of classical and kept it up. But but and you know, and he could, he could vaguely vaguely read, but but you know, it was pretty rusty. When, and he was just, but he could show me, if, you know, the, the the basic chords and other stuff like that. And I just got really into, you know, it was a, and he he he'd bought. It was a really nice classical guitar. Which he only just recently sort of sold, but it, 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 it was a t- um, it was paper th- absolutely paper thin. It was really you know, and somebody had to carefully rebrace it. But it was somebody who wanted to put the work in, who who was a, and he sold it to an actual proper player who could really really use it really well. Um, so it was a it was nice to t- it would sound you know, I, and I got very much into you know just the tone. I think just the tone of the these things, you know. I, Tom, the other Tom, the the other half of Mighty Tom's is is much more musically minded. He studied. He sort of like did a bit of piano lesson and and like his. I've got a, I've got like a, a paper thin musical memory. You know, I can I can improvise and sort of be be happy watching the dots. But you know, if I, if I have to learn something, 
it takes me a long time for it to sink in. <laughs> but Tom, who studied music, I think it's like that bit of his muscle got, got built. Because I started when I was 15, 14, 15, really, in earnest. So, so I think if you start either singing or choir or an, another instrument in your, in your pre-teens, I think that muscle gets, gets sort of established better. Um, uh, so he's always rolling his eyes and I have to sort of really spend, <laughs> do the homework to try and remember and learn things. So, so the, the, what we do with, and what you're, what the, 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 the track that's coming up later is, is we kind of, when we write stuff, it's very much based on using a dictaphone and, and, and kind of building, building blocks, then recording them so that it helps my memory. And then, you know, and that, you know, once it's in, it's in. And once I've got it, it's, I've got it. But to, to get it in, it takes a bit of time. So with, so the, 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 the track, the demo was us writing a song and we'd, we'd never really took it to playing. Once it's, once I've played it live that, you know, it's in, but, but so, so I've, the next stage is to, is to go back and we've got several of those demos. We've probably got about 10 is to go back and have to just like relearn it all <laughs> I, you know, from base principles. And then, and then we can kind of record it better. And then we don't, we never want to, Tom Cops, the other, is, he's, he believes in that sort of Bob Dylan thing of don't record it when you're, when it's too good, record mm. it when you're still learning it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, and then, um, you know, cause it, it, there's a, there's always an interesting, there's an interesting air of, it just makes the, it just makes the recording, you know, and every, I don't know, I'm not a, the perfection recording is, you know, I'll leave that to other people. And what we've done in all our tracks, I think there's only been one overdub, which was just a tiny like xylophone or something or other. Just um, we try and do it as a as a as a stop. You know, we press record and then we stopped at the end, and that was that's what you got. <laughs> so there was a sort of that was our ethos for sort of my two toms. And um, I guess I did a load of noodling, playing guitar, and then and then went to an art college. And then, then got involved with a very strange jam band that was that, that, that was that would meet in a basement two nights a week, and just p improvise and try and remember, you know, and then have a do a similar thing of just have a recorder running, and then we'd go upstairs and listen, to drink homebrew, and smoke really weak, really weak pot, and, <laughs> and, and argue argue about argue about what the band's going to be called, and it, and and. And that was the that was the height. That was the, we did about three gigs, and the and 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 the, and everybody and the drummer's ego went maniac, and then it all fell apart. That that kind of in retrospect, that was that sort of five or six months of two nights a week doing this thing because it was just fun, and it was just that was that was that was the moment. Those are the uh, that's where it was happening. It wasn't the gig. <laughs> it was the, it was the. Uh, it was that activity. That sounds absolutely <laughs> brilliant. I'd love, I, yeah, I'd love, I mean, just, ah, oh, you know, my heart sort of thinking, oh, that would be just such a wonderful thing to do. That just took two nights a week just with, you know, people, you don't necessarily, you know, that you just sort of put, that just want to come together and play music. That would be, I'm missing that. <laughs> yeah, I don't miss weak pot. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I, don't, I don't, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't really touch any pot. It's not very good for my brain. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. Mor I'm not particularly moralistic. It's just not good for me. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, indeed, indeed. What did you go out and play as? Did you decide on a name? Oh, I left it up to the drummer, and he he was he was like a fine artist, and he spent 
I, I, he took he, he he took all the letters apart of all our names and then built a word. Oh dear! Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I'd, 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 I'd argued for a long time about I can't remember what I, I wanted it to be something something and the something. I thought that you know I, I I thought a name with an and there and you know like what you know I thought that would have been quite you know and the dad dances I think was one something something and the dad dances I wanted it to be <laughs> you know and and but that wouldn't that didn't go against his art sensibilities and his art sensibilities sort of went down a rabbit hole and they came up with something called. Burida, which was, and I was like, but there's a band called the Breeders, but <laughs> but it was spelled, but it was spelt like B A R A A. It was spelt not, not like Breeders, but it was like anyway. Do you think the just, demise of the band was written on the wall at that point? I think so. I think so. <laughs> uh, but we did. We did. I, I did tape. I did tape one concert, and um, and we sort of. In the middle of that concert, the, the, we had a we had a trumpet. We had a funny lineup. We had a we had a couple of bass players, and a uh, and then we had a Jim, the drummer, couldn't keep time, which actually in a jam band is a good thing. Because <laughs> if you've got a really competent drummer, it becomes really self indulgent. And and but he would he would do this. I'm going to do something that you that you because you got guys can see. He would he would watch his hand do the hi-hat and the, and the drum and he would he would turn his head and then I could see about a minute into that he was getting dizzy <laughs> <laughs> and then he would then then he would just drop the beat and it would but but for a jam band then that that meant we just had to sort of shake ourselves and start again so it wasn't it didn't sound that bombastic kind of noodling on E for forever because <laughs> because we couldn't because 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 somebody dropped us you know Jim dropped us Drop the rhythm. <laughs> well, we, had, the, we, had a, we had a drummer who fell asleep at the stool once, but um, and, that's and he, good. I think it took us about three or four minutes to actually recognise that he wasn't playing anymore. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was that was that was a really good uh, that that mo you know, and that I did yeah I've got a DAT recording somewhere, and then then in the middle of we'd we'd sort of worked out a few things we'd had different things in this song you do this we had a trumpet we had a sax player who'd never picked up an instrument we had a trumpet player who'd been playing since he was about five you know so we had a, it was a really interesting group and and you know the, the instructions on one song were like you've just got to play until you almost pass out <laughs> you know that, <laughs> you know it's a, you know we were we were doing some interesting stuff and then and then in the middle of this one of our gigs the the trumpet player said Right, I'm gonna. I want to sing something, and we didn't normally sing. And he just got up the mic. So we did a whole improvised song that actually worked out. That every, you know, everything came together and was was unrepeatable. And uh, uh, so I did have got a DAT recording of that, and that was good. <laughs> good fun. <laughs> oh, that was, yeah. And that was in. So that was in and around Newport, which is quite a where we all went to college, which is quite um, yeah, very interesting and i've sort of heard a bit about the history that the, the whole interest you know thatcher in the 80s went through and took out all the coal took out all the, the ports all closed the in newport the ports all closed the steelworks were all kind of just been slowly mothballed there were these massive estates that were built that were then become these sink estates and it was and then there was a tiny little fraternity of art students who that if they happened to turn up at the wrong venue could suddenly be sort of there were kind of gangs of these that were from this 
area called Pill that would go in and just sort of beat up everybody in the in the pub just for the kicks. It was quite so you would it it was a funny place to go to college. It wasn't like the happening place the happening place to go to college. You were sort of hidden. You weren't like in Cardiff where the the university students are are, are totally dominant. You were you were like just keep just keep your head down. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> keep, keep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was but then there were funny there were very funny little venues that were like the massive open above shops that you know I wouldn't wonder if it's like that now but you would go in there was one venue that was just so labyrinthal and then and then up, up, finally there was one one gig i remember which was like this this virtuoso russian guitarist was playing was playing playing sort of to to sort of you know tra trance rave whilst a, another whilst a russian lady was sort of pole dancing you, you just sort of like <laughs> Okay, this is... and, and 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 but but it's not it's not like a hip New York crowd. It's we're like still a in sort Newport, of, are we're we? still in Newport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, but you just sort of go. This is quite good. This is fine. You so you would see some funny things, and 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 I, and I was on. You know, the classic my classic sort of anti anti claim to fame gig is that I was, I was in the the pub on the up, up the opposite side of the road listening to a shit blues band while Nirvana was playing on the other side of the road and supported by P, uh, by Hole. And uh, this is what Courtney Love was asking, you know, asking um, Kurt Cobain to, if she, you know, to get married. And I was, I was like 50 yards down on the other side of the road, d listening to this terrible, you know, rolling my eyes and sort of nursing a pint that, you know, for, for the best part of an hour and a half. I did see some very good, very good bands at that venue, but I just, I missed I missed out on Nirvana. Was it much of a scene, Tom? Then in that because I mean you're saying there were there were venues and it was not your sort of typical university town culturally speaking. But was there a scene there that you could kind of tap into? No, there was a lot of dis there was a lot of disparate people just sort of trying to make make stuff happen and then you know it would never really landing. And the college I went to was a was a big film college. It was like one of the one of the two or three places where, you know, there was Falmouth, uh, um, what's the one, Bournemouth, Falmouth, and kind of Newport, and you know, and there's a, the National Film and Television School. They, they, it was it, there was a media place there before media place is sort of flourished over the, over all the different universities. So there, and there was a a big documentary photography section. So there was as a university, it was quite. Um, Unyoung focused, so there was there were kind of mature students all the way up to their fifties. You know, it wasn't like there were just two in the class. There were, it was quite evenly spread, and it, and the photography ones were really competitive, and then the the filmy ones wore all the puffer jackets from the early adopters of the mobile phone, and then and then there was a sort of I was I was in the animator crowd, and and they were all they were sort of very eclectic, probably on the spectrum esque, um, doing doing little things to the side um and it wasn't the, it wasn't particularly yeah there wasn't it wasn't a big college it wasn't a big thing and but there were a lot there were these yeah there were, New, no Newport was Newport was not a big focal center but compared to Somerset it felt very interesting you know kebabs and pizza places and other stuff that hadn't hadn't got into Somerset at that time. Was it just about um, the sort of opportunities for creativity at that point, Tom, or 
had it become was there a point at which music became kind of aspirational for you that you wanted to take it further it's funny yeah i think i'd i mean the journey of my kind of aspiration it was like it burned fervently when i was younger you know and particularly sort of learning and and sort of playing that going to going to Going to college, I was trying to do. I was trying to learn to be 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 an animator or kind of trying to do something creative. And within that environment, there was a re- there was a kind of there was a really creative house that I ended up sort of I ended up staying there finally for about a year for about a month or so towards the end as people started drifting away from college. But I um, they were they were quite uh, they would pick up you know there was a, there was guitar and music happening there. And songwriting, and songwriting, and one of those people that was um, uh, living in that house was somebody I grew up with. Uh, this uh, chap called Joff, who Joff's been involved in the Different Voices project. Steve, this is my other hat. Is, is I'm a filmmaker, and my friend Joff, who went to the same college, went to Newport, lived in this house, and he there was always music going on at his house, where there was there was a couple of other people that played, and they would you know they had a room and a drum kit uh and they would sort of they would quick they would write and cover songs and play things in a song way yet the sort of the things that i'd kind of stumbled on and forced you know sort of had kind of happened around me in in the other place that i was mentioning this with this burrito band which happened mainly in our second year when we had sort of time to kill and not pressure of finishing college um so um but we were never we're never really song based or lyric based or all other stuff like that and i and i and i i kind of gra- i was gravitating away from music i was i you know i picked up you pick up at various points but you pick up on the the idea of musicmanship and other stuff like that and i i kind of through i sort of was much more in start slowly started getting more interested in in sort of songs and i know what we do isn't um doesn't have any lyrics and we've never pretended to have lyrics but we try and write write things we try and structure things and um and and i was gravitating a bit towards that i guess at that point with this shift from the kind of the jam band to the to the sort of more jokey but more kind of quick and funny and sometimes earnest sort of songwritery stuff that was going on in this other house towards the end and then through joff who was um uh, he went on to do an MA at Newport and was had met this other met this other guy Tom who was a, the boyfriend of a friend of his, and then we would film you know we were recording a I was doing sound on a film, and Tom was taking Tom Cops who's in top, my two Toms this is so this was a couple of years after college, and I was still in the area living in Cardiff. Tom was living in Newport with his girlfriend at the college doing photography, and then we we were working on a film together uh and then there was a couple of guitars lying around and we just sort of started messing around and that's how we became my two toms because four days later they said do a gig and we were like okay okay and it was at at the at this venue called um um hang on a minute i'm gonna have a brain the cat it's not the cavern is in liverpool it was newport's tj's in newport's which is i don't know if it's still going but it was like it was a bit like it was, it's, you know, it's been, you know, it, it started in the sixties and it, it was quite a venue in mm. the, in that it was, it had a very distinct smell and, um, <laughs> they, somebody had sort of painted mod rock all over the ceiling and made 
made it like a cave, which I guess was somebody's attempt at sound baffling and you know sound reducing. But it sort of it was very dirty and it had been up for like fifteen to twenty years and was kind of covered in in the tobacco and beer spills and other stuff like that. But it was quite a, so we had a gig. That was our first gig. Was was a funny little afternoon venue shot slot. So we we that focused us and and when we got together, it was it it, it was always very workmanlike. Let's okay, get a dictaphone out. Let's 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 jam something out. We we'll find a couple of things. Then how do we bolt that together? How do we remember it? <laughs> and we put together five or six little tunes and then just sort of performed it. Acoust mainly acoustic in a in a sort of it was an all day all day festival that sort of drifted in and out of a couple of venues and we would we just played in an afternoon but i think that's always the better way of you know so the breeder one the that other band was all about the pre-rehearsals and messing around and getting stoned whereas this was quite you know i didn't really know tom that well but we played well together just for that and let's let's do it we've got a gig you know um uh, and that's how it sort of started and then and then I both of us moved to Bristol and then we found Bristol much more sort of inspiring uh to be because there they just seemed to be loads of venues happening and little things and we were uh we were there was a really interesting era in the when we arrived in Bristol which is in the near two back the 2002 or something or other where where they, they would just bands would just be would put you on so you would be i would we were totally acoustic we didn't have any pickups or anything but we they would put us on in the middle of two big two big loud bands you know and and, and because i just think they didn't they just would they were programming they were just messing messing around and they weren't thinking oh we've got to put all the folk acts together or we've got to you know so we 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 supported some really interesting you know just really interesting acts in and around Bristol for for several four or five years when we had lots more free time before kids and <laughs> all that kind of thing and that's that was our that was our sort of hate that was our kind of heyday and you know slowly you know we produced three or four of our little records and we've still got loads of them anyone want to <laughs> got boxes of you know the, so amazing the idea of having a record at one point and I'm like oh god Got these boxes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Tom, when you when you take yourself back to that first moment where you and the other Tom picked up the guitars and started playing, did it feel like a, an instant connection for you? It's sort of because almost there were two or three other people, and it was a, you know it was on a film set, and we were just literally twiddling around, and then they they went quiet. You know, I'm. I'm and, it, and 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 so there was an instant there was an instant reaction that that was a that, that, that there was something nice going on and it was it was yeah there was definitely that was definitely a really good little meeting and it and but it was also off the back you know almost 10 10 minutes later from that it was like well why don't you why don't you do a, do a gig there's one on friday it was it was that kind of thing and so i didn't really you know i didn't really know tom uh and we were put together in a in a a great a, a great way because he's quite a shy he's quite a shy to new people he comes across very shy he's got one of these he's got one of these funny personalities where he's incredibly chatty on email <laughs> and then then cripplingly shy but then but then because i know him I, I you know he's a great friend and i've known him known him a long time now and it's you know it's it becomes 
that friendship has bought, was 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 always connected with my with my two toms but because we've traveled and done all these funny other funny things um together the friendship was built through the through the music really that's fantastic you described the sort of the journey from that first little meeting to and playing in the first gig and then going to to bristol it just feels like a lovely kind of momentum that you had through through that meeting and making music together i just wanted to ask a little bit more about that journey um so you did you take the decision to go to bristol together or was that coincidental and then what the and then kind of just getting involved in the scene in bristol and and because we've spoken to someone else who's, who was involved in that scene uh, susie gage was one of our in interviews mm. last year and talked very similarly and warmly about uh, the city and how nurturing it was of artists of all different types um and it I, I just got a real sense of that from what you were describing there yeah yeah and i know and i've i've done a bit of recording with susie and i don't uh -huh. know so so that's um yeah there was just it was there wasn't like a there was this everyone says bristol's like a um what's it called the the uh the sort of all ambition stops and dies at bristol or something you know there's there's there was some sort of I don't know. There's some sort of I, I'm not getting it right, but I've vaguely picked it up. There's there's a lot of people that are really interested in being creative and doing doing interesting projects, and they're not necessarily interested in in sort of uh, extending beyond that or reaching beyond that um, practically. But that you know they might have little dreams, but they that that point they're really interested in the in the in the project or the or the side project or the numerous side projects or um so to get getting from sort of living in cardiff i've done a bit of media -y jobs i kind of there was a the, the 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 cardiff um the cardiff media world was a little bit closed sort of the length it became much more about having a welsh language because that because there was the you know the assembly had been set up a few years you know and it was starting to and and it it, it also coincided with the other thing that I that which I which was sort of happening was which was the DV digital video not um, DV revolution was sort of happening and and there was there was a really interesting project that was based in Somerset that was about um, uh, enabling people you know democratizing access to to media and video and 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 so i'd done a, i had done a funny little project a couple of funny little projects in cardiff and, and building a cd rom that played video kids videos that they'd made all over a weekend and then and then a project happened with a friend of a friend and then i was sort of living in cardiff but then mainly working in somerset so it there was that that was going on but then tom was finishing college and he was going to move to Bristol it, it sort of like you say there was a there was there did seem to be a natural funneling of across you know Bristol you know and other people had, that had gone to Newport had gone to Bristol so there was a it wasn't a brain it just seemed to that's where we seemed to be gravitating to and and then yeah there was just a there was a real heyday of a, of a certain era where that where we would have like sometimes two gigs in a week some you know, and we didn't really put ourselves out. We weren't, we would, you know, they, we, people would just be asking us, you know, come, do you want to play there? Do you want to play there? There were people putting on, there was somebody, there was a, a friend and he's, he's on the parents run. He was about, his band was, his band is, is a kind of, um, he called himself war against sleep. 
and and then he got twins and he <laughs> and and, then, and I didn't see I hadn't seen him for a few years and then suddenly he was grey and then he, then he was like yeah the the moniker of war against sleep is not something I uh, I particularly aspire to now I quite value my sleep <laughs> but he would do like his one of his album launches he 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 did like a twenty four hour gig. <laughs> In a in in what what would be the basement of of a, a, a you know a, a total health and safety nightmare you know there were cables that were you know there was an earthing cable coming down and then some bare some bare red looking cable that was sort of looking pretty old and and the, the and the moisture was just dripping off the walls and it was you know the brick you know but he did this gig and we would we were, we were the three you know the but he basically there was enough bands to just fill every sort of slot for 24 hours and he stayed up for the whole time of course he did sort of of course he did because it's <laughs> and there were, you know there were some funny you know there were there were some people that uh there was a guy called team brick who was who was a um he used to play cello and do lots of improvising and was, would do the uh he he was like a pro he was about He'd stumbled in, and he was about sixteen, and we were about twenty-five. And he was like, "You got any rollies?" And he would, but he would do, and uh, he had this incredibly deep voice, and and also was, and he ended up playing for Beak, you know. Um, oh yeah, fantastic. You know, I think uh, if you ever ever talk to them, talk about. Um, I'm trying to. I, I can't remember his actual name, Matt. But talk talk to him about travelling around Europe with Matt. It was it was not a pleasant spirit thing but but he would do gigs that were just like you, you never went when you went to see him you never saw the same thing twice you know so so you know to what we do it's quite kind of um he's incredibly planned and sort of nuanced and sort of uh, you know we only just about know how to play it as well so it's teetering on the edge of of uh our ability and and then and then there was him who was there was like he was virtuosic in a certain way and kind of totally chaotic in another way uh, but but would put on a spectacle would put on a spectacle and it would always be different so there was a lot of interesting stuff that were going on uh, in Bristol and there was a there was a brilliant festival that ran a couple of years called Venn Festival which was all about eclectic stuff and I think so it's sort of I think it was and and I've yeah I've saw a couple of things I've seen like the best the best person I've ever seen to, to actually get audience participation, which normally my toes curl. But there was this, there was this Indian guy who called Dr. Joel, who, who uh, would, would make these songs that just halfway through, you were just joining in and singing, singing along. And I always thought if somebody, he could just write a Eurovision song and it would just be an absolute hit and it would be so good, but it would, it would be, you know, so anyway, that era of my my sort of musical appreciation was was all about what other people. You know, it's not, it wasn't finding tracks in in and, and albums in shops. It was about seeing live stuff and seeing, you know, and seeing seeing people do things that you hadn't seen before and seeing stuff that you just sort of thought well, that was bloody waste of time. But it was, but it was, yeah. But you kind of appreciated it for what it was the cube cinema was a was a venue that that would put on really eclectic stuff and yeah i think it was just a and there was a nice relationship between the the soundies the crew the 
the venue put to, venues and the the people that would kind of organize the events and and put them on and call you up and say do you want to do this and we'd go yeah <laughs> so there was that was you know in terms of our ambition we kind of wanted stuff to we did want stuff to be played and we did want stuff but we didn't have a strategy and we didn't you know what we were doing i mean it was interesting because there was lots of people that said you guys should write songs and especially when we were on tour we confused like to the states we confused people because what where's the lyrics and we're like got nothing, got nothing to say don't wanna, <laughs> we don't want to sort of you know i've i've sat through i've sat through the most terrible stuff because people are trying to yeah <laughs> sing sing earnest stuff and make it really oblique and it's like what no but we but we but we we liked playing we liked playing music and we liked playing trying to structure stuff and kind of working at working you know working together and trying a bit trying a bit make something have a dyna, dynamism through two two and a half minutes or you know and we enjoy, definitely enjoyed doing that i mean yeah we didn't we've sort of in our own little sort of we we're pleased with what we're doing kind of way we we um we enjoyed we enjoyed we sort of we enjoyed we could we could we could at times like it's all very difficult how to work a crowd but sometimes we could even though people are talking we could focus a whole room and and get people to just listen to these quite sort of simple little ditties really so simple tunes the way you talk about the scene, the sort of the fertile nature of it, it sounds like it was an incredible time to be around people, like opportunities for collaboration. And it sounds like things were happening very naturally for you in a very unplanned manner. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It would, I would, you know, I would go back to that type of thing. Yeah, it's, it's all to do with time. It's often timing, isn't it? It's like age-wise, how old you are, what you're doing with your relationships, whether you have kids, whether you have kids, or 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 what you know, shift. Yeah, I think shift. I think a shifting of town is a is a was a great one. I think I'd I'd kind of grew up. You know, I grew grew away from left. You know, left Somerset and Newport and Cardiff were like rough and ready, and that's what college was like. And then Cardiff was just a little bit of hanging on to that kind of thing, and then going is this really you know finally going is this really what i want to do and then going into bristol was was just like yeah it's just so much you know i couldn't believe i couldn't compared to cardiff i you know you would occasionally see a live act whereas bristol you just couldn't go into a venue at that time without seeing you know without seeing a live act at some point you yeah, mentioned um touring in the states and uh, that you've made a lovely tour film and I wanted to, uh, to to just explore that tour a little bit. Could you tell us a bit about how that came about? That was in that era. We were playing and supporting and doing really interesting things with different bands. Kimia Dawson was one. There was Herman June. Um, I'm trying to, oh, my brain. <laughs> but uh, in and amongst that, we met this this American guy called Charlie Parr, and we did um, we did about he always you know we played just because the guy said oh you know somebody eventually get eventually realized that our name was not about not a drum outfit but we we were a string we were a string we played stringed instruments and then they put us on with they put us on with charlie power and charlie power plays a sort of um uh, a resonator guitar and sing, sings um kind of blues inspired but but sort of um 
sort of tunes that he, and, and he plays very lots of tra traditional stuff but he also in and amongst that plays his own material and uh, uh so we'd supported him a couple of times and then 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 after about the two or three second or third time there was a certain era in the um in that era of t time where the where it was like two dollars to the pound exchange rate so to tour in europe and tour in the uk was incredibly you know you would be selling he would be selling a record for you roughly it's always the same numbers isn't it so you go to the states and you buy you buy a cd for 10 quid you go to the uk you buy a cd for 10 pounds but at that point that was he was selling that you know it was making him double <laughs> you know every time he was selling a cd it was, you know so he he was he was over a lot and then he said come you know come over and we were like people say that and then we were like well yeah maybe we should <laughs> so we booked the ticket we booked the tickets and told him and he they he, you know we'd sort of given him enough notice it's, we would mention we should do it in the autumn and then the tour was going to happen in the summer and we so we tried so we we booked this tour uh, and it was all in the places that people go well, why did you go there but it was <laughs> it, it was really it, we, so we put, uh, but we flew into the mid we flew into Minneapolis and Charlie's based in Duluth and in northern uh, Minnesota and and then we had a tour that sort of went sort of to, um, to Nebraska and down to Missouri and then back up to Wisconsin and the guy who booked it I think he Charlie had been trying to use him for about a year and a half and and then eventually kind of during our tour he got sacked because <laughs> because he was because most of the time Charlie Charlie had been slowly realizing that I should he should have just been doing it himself because he you know and it, I mean I, and I'd never been to the states so I went into this funny funny place that you know my sense of geography and sense of size was totally kind of blown out of proportion going into you know going there and realizing you know it's just the mentality of oh it's fine to drive for nine hours you know it's sort of whereas to go you know to drive in this country and think oh it's, it's two hours it's a right pain in the eye. <laughs> you know but but for charlie he would you know he would get on you know get in the car and and head out to the next state to do a gig and then drive back or uh so but he so he totally hosted us we just had to to avoid inland you know the um homeland security we just had to not even have a plectrum on us and sort of we were you know taking and we just went out so we just went we went out and we rode on his coattails and we did sort of 15 15 gigs in you know 16 days and had an absolute ball and at the time Tom was, you know, Tom was, you know, because he was still a photographer, he still is, a, he still is an amazing photographer. And he, he, he planned it. He, you know, took his medium format camera. He, he had a sort of several projects that he wanted to do. He took portraits of people. He, we had Polaroid, you know, he had Polaroids and we had, had digital stills camera and we were just using that. And a, this is, you know, lovely little stuff. We were using a little digital stills camera and then we were uploading it into an old fashioned iPod these sort of you'd stick your card in and it, you just pray that you didn't knock it while it translate while it uploaded all your photos but it took about half an hour to do it <laughs> and we'd have so but we had a lot enough lots of time in the car <laughs> um uh, and we traveled yeah so we traveled to some funny places kirksville in missouri and winona in uh 
I think that's in uh, Wisconsin, South Wisconsin, on the on the Mississippi. Amazing places, you know. Um, and we did, and then we did it twice. We did it the um, the tour again, but different tour. But 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 with Charlie when um, when my old my eldest was eight months. So we took we took Clem, which is which was we didn't do it quite. It was Charlie at that point had 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 a kind of road to Damascus and had come off the booze. Uh, <laughs> The first tour was was uh, was fueled on on a lot of alcohol, and uh, <laughs> the second one was, was was you know we stayed in better places. <laughs> but the first what the first tour we so so uh, you know and I on the first tour I tried to write a journal very ad hocly tried not to get more than two or three days behind just writing it down and then with all the photo material and then all the thing Charlie came back to Bristol about a year later. And in the meantime, me and, me and Tom kept meeting up and just writing and recording the voiceover based on the journal mm. and piecing it together with, with all these kind of nubbly, uh, clunky bits of footage. And I watched it today because I thought I might be talking about it. And uh, it's, you know, apart from my slightly annoying voiceover, <laughs> it's quite a nice, <laughs> quite a nice road trip and, and also shows the reality of touring in the States because you can just, I mean, it was interesting coming from Bristol, where the where where there was quite an appreciative audience. There's a certain towns are really, you know, certain places in America where there's much more of a culture of there's a band going on, but I'm going to just be getting on with. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do a polite thing of sort of pause and and and, and pretend to clap, which I think I'm just going to carry on talking. So the, the, <laughs> which is what we were sort of. Oh right, okay. And Charlie was like, "Yeah, in the, in the states, you give a, and but when you, if you could pull the crowd, you know, they would they would really come with you. It's, it was interesting, and there were different towns and different. Literally, four da- four hours down the road, it's a totally, you know, lo- everything looks the same geographically, but but the town is totally different, the culture is totally different, and um, uh, yeah. So there were some interesting university towns. On the second tour, we went to pl- somewhere called. Butte in Montana, which is like had had the the whole of it almost mined out of existence, and then they've started just pulling down the city because because the the, the blocks have been abandoned for so long. So they've sort of like okay, because the the, the, the the copper miners suddenly basically it got more and more kind of costly to extract the co- the copper. And then they moved. They moved to Ch- they, they just all moved to Chile. Uh, that's where all the mining for copper is mainly 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 going on. And then this town just died. <laughs> you know, there's a lot. I think there's, you know, there's like I talked about Newport, and you know, there were similar. There were certain, you know, in this country they don't really just go. They don't write off a town, whereas whereas in the states you can just sort of go. Uh, the point for this town is gone. You know, and then slowly people die, and then right, let's just let's just leave it or torch it or pull it down. And Butte was on the edge of that. Except if you go up to the, it was totally empty, and kind of like they literally, you could see where the foundations were and the plumbing were for these big blocks that looked like you know there was a couple of them and some cheap stores that looked like they were held held together, and it was just brilliant, brilliant place, but slightly familiar of Newport. And then at the top of the town was like a massive university and a and a fully fully floodlit kind of football pitch and and everybody playing in full kit and you're just like it's a real discrepancy between kind of the money and the not money 
So what was the show like in Butte that you played? That was pretty sleepy. We played to about five people and then we had to drive our longest shift from like Montana to, I think we had to go to Salt Lake City. We had to go to Salt Lake City and it was like, we had to leave at seven in the morning because <laughs> we need the show was at nine o'clock that night and and it was kind of but we played this dead end bar job bar thing but it, that, that they were that was full of very interesting kind of drunks like warm drunks not ugly drunks um and yeah that was don't remember that but yeah it all blends into one after a while and i hadn't kept the journal as what you know the second tour i had the clem was there so i didn't quite have the same the time to sort of think and write and how did the experience influence the the music you and tom were making did it find its way into your your songwriting it influenced it, it very much it, it we became much more just as players we became really like um just solid i think we you know like we were hesitant before and then suddenly we were kind of just i think that it's, it's just like a muscle you just because you were doing it you know by the by the sort of beginning of the second week you were kind of you were really it was working and you could really move move it i think in terms of it was very uh, yeah the writing i think i think it it's we've always slowly done more and more, tried to make things a little bit more complicated i think you know just pushing things and not in a um so i think it would have i think list you know and i think listening to char being with charlie and um uh, listening to music with you know listening to the music that he was into and other stuff like that it would have crept in it wasn't a hotbed but it was more of a kind of um f feeling like we knew what we were doing and and you know when we then came back and then did the show in the uk somebody was like oh, bloody hell you've you you know you've you're there was a there was a power that, and a muscle that we didn't have from just the kind of sheer repetitiveness or also playing over the bloody mindedness of people ignoring you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely, it definitely comes across in the in the clips of you guys on playing on the tour that you're there in a multitude of different crazy venues and you're just there hammering out the tunes. Yeah, and I, I think that's the that that's the way. I mean, it was interesting because you know, also on that last on that sort of last tour, there was a kind of I kind of. There was definitely this at the moment that you know there was a feeling of um me going God, i mean this is sort of what i wanted but actually 15 days in a row <laughs> that's more you know i hadn't done a you know that it, it's actually not quite what i wanted i liked the two you know two or three gigs a night a gigs a week and it not being you know and not having to get in a car for 20 hours you know it's a I crept into doing, you know, obviously I know some people that have been big, been in big bands and other stuff that I've grown up with that, but I never, we didn't, I don't know. I think the the bit I really enjoyed was the meeting the people both off stage and on stage and kind of, and the first tour, the stuff that was really lovely was there were about three of the places. We didn't really go into it in the thing where, where we were hosted by people. And that was just amazing. Just, you know, we weren't having to sort of, run into a run into you know we would we would lie on the we would lie down in the back of the van where charlie would go and talk to the guy in the motel and say it's just me with you know one i need one room and then we'd drive around the corner park the mo park and then we'd sneak in 
and sort of lie, you know, lie on the floor <laughs> to just sort of so we could, you know, so we were trying to watching our margins on on the price of <laughs> of staying. And <laughs> but there were the there were the two or three times where we were hosted and we so there was the thing we we're not having to pay for the room, but but then they, then people would kind of chat to you and make you breakfast and other stuff like that. And I think in the end of the film, we see a bit you see a little bit about us, eat, you know, eating grits. Mm, yeah, it's <laughs> lovely. Which is, you know, and I would, you know, if that's, if you can do tour, if you can tour and meet people and tour and do it in that meeting people in a social way and, and, and being hosted, that's, that, that's, that was the valuable stuff that those kind of memories were the valuable part of it. There is a lovely moment in the film when someone asks you what it's been like. And I don't know which one of you, I guess it's you, says, I feel like it's changed us. And I thought that was a really succinct experience because I'd absolutely urge listeners to go and check out the film. It's a really lovely document um, with a beautiful sort of narrative to it, isn't it? And it, I mean, there was a heart of darkness moment in it. And it was kind of like when we were building it, we were, we were like, you know, half, it was mainly just, we were making it mainly so that when Charlie would come back, we would kind of, uh, there was a big, the Cube Cinema is a, a venue in Bristol that is both a cinema and puts on music and sometimes they'll put on they'll show a film and then play music and other stuff like that so we the, the, it's all set up and there and and it's a very nice focused it's an old theatre that's been converted into a, so it's all focused seats and, and 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 you can kind of you know as a sort of place to perform once the lights are on you can't see the audience but it's very focused very unlike an American show you can really get people to listen and other stuff like that and we just thought right this is the, the you know we're going to totally floor charlie and we'll make this film as a you know and obviously the audience you know they can they can enjoy it as well but it's mainly it was sort of mainly a kind of glorified travelogue for charlie as a thank you to thank you to him for the amazing tour and um but i think there's yeah i think in terms of it as a document of that time and that era and some interesting places and what it's like to try and get you know get on tour and travel around i mean yeah it's a great it's a i'd look yeah it was def, it was a definitely uh definitely burnt into my uh brain as a as a real life moment you know you know intense intense exhausting a lot of it on that first one you know the uh, brain synapses sort of beaten up a bit with too much alcohol <laughs> because in America, everything's six, everything is 6% and up in terms of what they put in their beer. And I'm like, I remember having an argument with somebody, not an argument, but just a discussion. I'm like, 3.4 is fine. <laughs> you, know, you know, and they were like, no, they were like, you know, that's, that's like, you know, it's not, it's, it's not, it's not worth it. And I'm like, yeah, but this is my, this is my seventh day on this. <laughs> I need to, it's, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, the, and we had a, a heart of darkness moment where, and we sort of hinted at it, but that we were in this strange place in the woods and and um, and the, the the venue guy of this festival booked a prostitute for the for a touring band, and it was just like, it, it, you know, in the middle of a massive hangover, it, it suddenly was like, God, this is this is unsavory and what did we do would we just saw and we just looked you know <laughs> it, 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 yeah it wasn't it was a sort of we you know all life is in that film in, in a certain way and we mm. you know that in the second tour you know i did bump into a couple of people that were like 
dyed-in-the-wool tea partyists, you know, adamantly going on that the trickle-down effect was was for them and then they but they but they worked 60 they were, were working 60 hours a week and they the money wasn't coming to them but they were still you know uh and some of where we are yeah some of where we were go where we were going is is you know in in america it's in you know it's incredibly as it as with this country um there were some massive discrepancies between what between those that have and those that don't and and the, and it's so segregated, or it's easier to spot in America the segregation of between between the sort of races and and different areas and different um, places. Very interesting. Yeah, it's burnt into my mind. It was and it was good, and I, it was nice to. I hadn't watched it. I'd sent it to Steve, but I hadn't watched it, and I watched it again today because I thought better. You know, this, uh, and I need to dig out. There's a book on the second. My Tom made a little photo book that. Um, uh, he's got for the, that he had as, as a limited press uh sort of photo project for the, for the second tour oh, wow. and, and it's i was trying to dig it out but it's in the in the attic somewhere because we moved a couple of years ago and stuff still still hasn't come out but that's a really nice little little uh, i need to do that to just for the mem you know to help the old gray cells recap it and is is, is charlie is charlie Parr still doing the crisscrossing the country He's still he's still doing it, and obviously he you know with COVID he probably isn't at the moment, but he's producing. Uh, he's consist he's incredibly consistent in terms of uh, how he can write. He 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 can write about some of his life experiences, and he, and and he came to music. Oh well, I think he he started doing it. He was a support worker and a care worker for kind of homeless and. Um, kind of vagabondy I'm using Americanish terms but probably wrongly but kind of vagrants and people that were kind of uh, traveling the rails and other stuff and he was a kind of social worker trying to uh, get people you know back on the straight and narrow and I think uh, a lot of his um, he draws on a lot with his imagery for songs for some of the people I think he's both met on the tra on his travels and also in that part of his part of his life and um, he can write some really, you know, in, in, and, and he's he's steeped in in a lot of the kind of murder ballads, uh, ballads, and other sort of times where where people would write sort of real, real amazing, uh, painful history and put wrap it into a song and kind of, um, you know, and it would become a kind of standard and people wouldn't know what it what, what they were, you know, the, the the meaning is sort of slowly forgotten. But Charlie dusts off a lot of that meaning. And also, kind of um, uh, writes his own stuff that that is that is sort of steeped in it in that, but goes beyond that. It's 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 still it's quite it's still even though it's, it seems very old in terms of tonality and it's it's very new and very now and kind of I love I I'm a sucker for he when we were playing in the states he was because we were often playing in bars and he he built he brought his um, this stomp box which was basically a microphone in a triangle box that would plug into the stage and just sort of pump the rhythm he that that you know at a time he was like that's you know that's what people want and that, that was the venues that were, you know they wanted to be getting drink and let rip and and it was just like he was like sometimes you just stomp on it it doesn't matter what you're playing <laughs> and then people start dancing and 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 but i'm a sucker for some of some of charlie's quieter ones are 
are you know really you know profound and kind of incredibly moving and incredibly quiet so the other song that we're doing is is one of charlie's sort of songs and we're just sort of sitting in and and i think because we'd done the tour and plus i can't remember if we i think we'd done the two tours when we did those recordings you know it it just we hadn't really sat and played you know there wasn't much time because he was driving there wasn't much time to play together but but it's almost like the the the, the complete just the absorption of his essence we, we we could you know we could just almost watch the dots and just and just play along with him on on various things and he he's because he's self normally plays on his own he tends to do a bit of that sort of time slipping it's you know he's in a, he's in his own time but we could we you know we were kind of and we did like we did that did around that recording we did a show we did a show where we played three or four tunes with him uh, as well so it was good. yeah that was a nice thing and, and and it's just time and money and the the, the economy's crap and you know he ha- we haven't seen him for a while but it, you know he's I, I did email him and say can we play this song today because just to check that that was all right he's he's given it his blessing and i'll send him the link fantastic well i guess we should we should listen to some music now then and, and uh we, we're, we're over the hour mark and well look tom thank you so much you've painted some brilliant pictures of your music making and your experiences in making music and um thanks so much for making some time to come on the podcast could you just queue up the two songs that folks are going to hear now please so we're going to listen to old east virginia uh which i think was recorded in 2009 there we go uh and that is charlie part uh, and i think it's a standard song um and there's in the background is tom and me also playing along and it was recorded in in bristol uh, when charlie was over and then we're going to hear a demo from my two toms which nobody else has really heard ever and it's uh one that we need to get back to and work on it and at the moment it's called nicked cave but i don't think it's going to be st- stay that name that's just a sort of aid memoir to remember remember what we were playing and 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 what i it's just a quite a good example of what we what we do which is to try and just structure within within a piece of music we try and just we actually try and write songs even though we're not um writing words we try and kind of keep things moving first chorus first chorus the middle eight and sort of and working on how how that thing should the dynamics should travel through that and i think it's quite a good example of and it'd be quite good to at some point get back and record that record it properly Thanks so much, Tom. Yeah, thanks, Tom. That's all right.
the neighbours. <laughs> well, that was uh. Songs from a Padded Envelope is presented, produced and edited by Steve Swindon and Ben Clay. Music is by state-sponsored Jukebox. Artwork is by Matt Canning. Songs from a Padded Envelope is a Hidden Hive production. <laughs>